Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 120 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me Bex. Hi there, how are you doing today? I'm alright, how are you? Yes, enjoying the sunshine. <laughs> yes, it's slightly... more summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly overcast up here, but but you know, I'm, I'm glad it's still so sunny for you down there. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not fussed it's overcast up here, up there, I'm just happy it's sunny down here, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I did a big massive catch up on tv recently because i'd got behind on so many things and yeah. stuff kept coming out so i did a big binge watch of the latest season of doctor who because i hadn't seen any of it oh cool i was quite quite pleasantly surprised yeah it's a it, moffat really has been going for it this season i think i think he's he's done a really good job of of just sort of like saying well it's my final season screw it what they're gonna do you know so so yeah, he's sort of just trying everything brilliantly, brilliantly kind of creepy elements like the the emoji killer robots in yeah. the second episode was that was really really brilliant because it was a great comment on society but at the same time really creepy and kind of cute and very much the essence of what makes a sort of Doctor Who baddie that you know yeah. that they're not evil they're just following instructions that were given to them by humans so it's kind of tough I yeah I really enjoyed that um I also have been watching iZombie that's on at the moment yeah. the latest season as I'm sure everyone's aware I really really love iZombie and this series is just continuing to go utterly full pelt i've got to get back into iZombie. i i started watching it and thought this is really good and then um other things got in the way and i didn't quite get back to it but i really wanted because it, it looked like a great show it has so much character development for something that's just a procedural with a kind of comedy twist yeah. they really managed to come up with with lots of character development and overall plot arcs that really draw you in as well as the kind of comedy and the fact they've made this many episodes and personality of the week so to speak is still working i'm right. really impressed that they've managed to kind of keep that gag running and it hasn't got tired yet yeah they're just coming up with more and more i mean there's one in the, the later series where the the murder victim is a professional dominatrix <laughs> and the way they have the interactions between Liv and everyone else where she has that that personality going on and it's it's, it's other people reacting to her that's as funny as her kind of acting all of these these different characters um, and speaking of people that act a million different characters, obviously Orphan Black is back. Yes. So uh, that has me highly entertained. Yes, yeah. It's such a good show, that. And uh, Tatiana's so fabulous in it. 
I, I just, I mean, the the CG, well, not CG work, but the cinematography work that they must be doing on that show just to get it to line up so well. It's very, very rare you actually can tell that they're matted together somehow. They do an incredible job with with putting, you know, the the just the technical stuff of putting the two people or even four people on screen at the same time. Have you seen the behind the scenes that's off on YouTube where they did, there's a scene at the end of the last series where they're all dancing in the living room. Right, yeah. And they do a piece by piece behind the scenes of how they made that scene. Oh, I'll have to go and look at that. No, I haven't Filming the individuals and filming because at some points they're dancing with each other and things like that. And yeah, really, really clever how seamlessly they, they put that all together. I could just they they seem to go at it like they like the challenge. They want to come up with scenes that will will challenge them. And if it's the best thing for the plot, they're like, right, we'll just do it. Get your green screen out. We'll we'll make this work. Yeah, yeah, really, it, really good. Yeah, it's it's so impressive. Just her characterization is is amazing as well. I mean, you you utterly forget that you're watching the same actress play four different roles or five different roles or six different roles, whatever it happens to be that week. It's just when you see a clip of her on. I think I can't remember which American Comic Con she was at where they had a thing and they had her do conversations as each different one with each other almost <laughs> and so she was just snapping between the different characters to reply to other people's things in in character in the voices and really really good that she can just do that on the fly now yeah that that is a major major skill to have under your belt as an actress especially because she was relatively unknown before she took this role on yeah i mean i as much as i I'm going to be very sorry to see Orphan Black go. I'm really interested to see what she ends up doing next because whatever she does after this, from an act, acting point of view has surely got to be a slight step down <laughs> than, than having basically all the leads in your own TV show. I mean, I'm assuming that it's it's going to be a movie next. Uh, yes. It's going to be Hollywood is going to come knocking, sort of throwing dollars at her i would hope so i mean I, I, although i mean sometimes there's so many hollywood uh, film actors that are going back into tv at this point because there's such high quality tv out there if but if she's not either on a film or a hbo like high budget drama there's something very very wrong she needs to be on yeah, something absolutely. big other than that um i i caught up on the flash because i got a little bit behind on that oh, i yeah? was not happy with the end of the flash no i i'm kind of with you on that it was yeah i i just yeah i felt that was just lazy yeah i was disappointed i wanted the reveal to be something else and i wanted the ending to be something else yeah like ah no yeah. i yeah i'm I'm not fat, fat, a fan of good versus evil clone you know uh, yeah no i i'm sort of with you with that i it, when they revealed it was basically evil barry uh you know all they did everything but put a, a goatee on him really uh, yeah it, it was basically like watching spider-man 3 it's like just make give him slightly greasy longer emo hair and then you know he's the bad one yeah um, and I'm I am kind of with you on that. Much as I love love the Flash as a, generally as a show, I I wasn't overly happy with where it ended up going towards the end of this season. I I am yeah. sort of. I wanted it that. to be Wally. I thought it was going to be because yeah. he because he said at one point I'm the future Flash. I thought that meant he was a younger Flash and that something he'd done to keep pushing Wally to go faster and faster and faster had actually turned him into this or got him trapped in the speed force or done. I wanted yeah. it to be that instead because that would have been even 
even darker, I think, if it had been him yeah. killing his own sister to get back at his future brother-in-law. Yeah, I mean, that that would have been a far more interesting and, like you say, a much darker story to, to go. And that was where I was sort of thinking as well. Wally would be a far more interesting person to go for. So, I, yeah, I, I think they could have done something else with that. And I think it was a little bit lazy, the writing towards the end. But, you know, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it come back and obviously they've got to bring Barry back somehow they have said that the villain for the next season is not a speedster finally so yeah they need to change it up a little bit it's getting to that point where it's just on that danger of starting to go down a hill a bit because that's about where Arrow sort of started to dip a bit before they kind of recovered so they this hopefully they've learned from doing Arrow that this yeah. next season is very, very important to keep that quality high and to avoid getting too much repetition going on and and bring it back. But I mean, as long as there's loads of sort of Cisco in it, I'm generally happy. <laughs> yes, I'd be happy with a with a sort of Cisco spin off. Really? <laughs> yes, yeah, more Cisco is Cisco definitely and worthwhile. Gypsy's adventures would be like <laughs> pretty awesome as like a mini series. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they've they've got what. Um, four main shows plus Black Lightning plus there's a Titan show in the works which isn't going to be on CW it's going to be on whatever the DC access streaming thing is so they're not short of spin-off shows and I'm sure they'll come up with some more before uh, before they give up on the whole superhero thing <laughs> so. there is hope <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes other than that um, I finally got round to watching The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 Oh yeah, um, which was rubbish. Um, <laughs> I rewatched Snowpiercer, which is a Czech-Korean science fiction movie where the world has been obliterated and turned to ice. From right. People try and stop global warming by releasing a substance that's going to cool everything down, but it goes wrong, turns the whole world to ice, and the only people alive are these people on this round-the-world train. Right. Okay. And it has to keep going. It can't stop because it's like a contained ecosystem. Okay. And it's. Uh, it's a it's it's all it's all a very harsh kind of metaphor for class systems and right finality and, and inevitability of things and um very 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 good um yeah and and a good it's it's mostly in english despite the fact it's czech korean okay with it with a few little bits in in other languages because you've just got different people living on this train but rewatch that love that as much as the first yeah, okay. time uh, i failed to see wonder woman somehow <laughs> um which has caused many people to be like why haven't you reviewed wonder woman because i haven't seen it um seems fair to watch it first yes um, yes keep just not managing to see that um but i did go to a computer games press launch event just a few days ago for Master X Master. Right, yes. How did that go? That was really good. They, they let us have a couple of hours of, of hands-on time. They had the um, the brand manager over from America who gave us a good introduction and explained things. And then they gave us like a couple of hours to play for all the different game modes. It's a PC game. It's an online multiplayer. You can do various different games. You can do three versus three, five against five. Uh, there's loads of competitive mini games and there's also like um, a single player or team up level, like kind of dungeon type things okay. that you can go through. Really big range of characters and they've got the main mechanism for it is that you have two characters and you can tag them in and out at any point. Okay. So you've yeah. sort of got your own, everyone is sort of a mini team. So you can have one person that's long distance, one person that's a healer, or you can just have two people that are just charging and destroy everything. Right. Kind of my approach um really <laughs> wide range of characters so you can play it so differently and they were saying how they've seen each of the different press events how differently 
the different countries are playing it and they were saying in some places everyone's kind of choosing a sniper and a healer and they're all defensive and they spend like you know half the match not going near each other and then you come to England we all basically just run in with swords <laughs> <laughs> swords and um, the Karen the characters I kept choosing had like a giant gun right that was like bigger than her and just sort of running in and just demolishing everything and um, yeah but it's really good that a lot of the games are timed so they're just short fun run in attack yeah it was it was it was a good one um i was impressed by the range of characters it's free to play as well so you get like oh, 30 cool. characters or something included with it and some of them are for their from their other games and things and a lot of them are new they were, they were a great bunch of people and it was a really fun game exceedingly easy to pick up as well ah cool so yes that would be one to look out for i i will have a look around on steam for that when it is it released yet or is it coming i soon? believe it came out on wednesday okay i'll have to go and uh, download that so anything else uh i'm looking forward to an exhibition which has already started in london at the house of illustration right okay. which is called uh, anime architecture backgrounds of japan and they've got hold of loads of the original paintings from things like ghost in the shell with all the just the architecture the backgrounds and the beautiful scenery designs oh cool and that oh. looks really really interesting yeah that and sounds very that's cool for a few months and that's that's just opened already i think i need to need to get down to that soon cool going back to gaming uh, i'm still on a skyrim kick right now trying to to finish the uh ultimate version which is i have modded up to the hilt so i'm, I'm trying to actually finish skyrim which is something i've never done before so I'm, I'm working through that but i i did sidestep onto a couple of other games uh one was a, a game called avon colony which is one of those kind of city builder games that is set on a distant planet or on a cluster of different planets and as you sort of advance your colony you get to kind of given a new planet to look after and uh, you're basically setting up a sort of space station and building up uh, you know you've got to set up the power and then connect everything by corridors and then have mining units it's i mean it's a fairly straightforward city builder of the type that we've seen before but uh, it's really nicely done nicely put together uh, quite enjoyable it's only a beta demo that i've been playing so i haven't had much chance to play it extensively but it's going to be one that's worth looking out for uh, it's called avon colony which is a v e n so that's one worth looking out for the other thing is uh, it's the steam sale at the moment for pc steam being the place where all pc people tend to buy their games so that sale that summer sale is on which means that everything is basically discounted for the next month or so that sounds dangerous yes that is it's it's wallet crushing quite a lot of the time and generally <laughs> i'm because i'm working through skyrim i'm trying to avoid picking things up but occasionally these little indie games pop up and you think oh that sounds interesting there was one called 911 operator which came up heavily discounted last night which is is basically as it sounds you get to take control of being a 911 operator so you have a map of of uh, real towns and you get to point the emergency services to various places and occasionally you'll get 911 calls and you have to deal with the 911 call and sort of ask the correct question you know they'll, they'll say something you're then selecting the relevant answers and it's all done with voiceovers as well so you can hear kind of people panicking you can 
advise them on what they need to do if somebody's had a heart attack or or that sort of this stuff. This sounds really stressful. You're doing this voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, it but it is. It, it's um it's really interesting. I I really enjoyed it. It's good fun. So yeah, I've I've been playing around with that. I've I only got that last night, so I've only played a little bit, but it's quite good. One of the interesting things though is you can download like maps of your local area so the nearest map for some reason it wouldn't it wouldn't use exactly where i am the nearest map to me that it would find was litchfield so which is a bit bizarre because obviously it's an american 911 game but you could use a british map so it ended up kind of with uh, armed cops on the mean streets of litchfield which, <laughs> <laughs> which which i thought was kind of interesting it's just entertaining uh it, it doesn't quite fit i ended up going back to using american cities because it just felt weird so um but that was quite good fun so i've been messing around with that um tv wise i started on fear the walking dead season two i know season three is out on um, bt channel over here but since i don't have that i've been watching the second season of fear the walking dead that because that's on amazon prime right now that's been actually i mean that season got slated quite a lot but i you know it seems quite good so far i'm only one or two episodes into it but uh you know i'm sort of having a bit of withdrawal from walking dead so it's helping fill that gap a little bit you know and uh sneaky pete i finally got to the end of as well which is a show i keep on wanting to go back to the last few episodes of that are brilliant really good the final episode is sort of almost a do you remember the tv show hustle yeah it's the final episode is almost like a sort of an americanized version of hustle with various things going on uh you know and because i mean the the whole thing about him being a con man they've they kind of that last episode really shows the con he's been running so that's really interesting and really nicely put together and the last few episodes i just thought really really pulled everything together on that show i would highly recommend that series if you've not seen it yet it's well worth watching Uh, american gods finished this week although i have to say as much as i i adored this series overall i thought it was really good it's only eight episodes this first season it does feel slightly more like a mid-season break than a season end to me which it isn't that they're only making them in in kind of small runs uh, small by american standards so it's sort of an eight episode run but uh, utterly brilliant from start to finish. Uh, really enjoyable. It's weird in a almost Legion kind of way, weird, or maybe more a Preacher kind of way. Uh, it's probably fairer. It's not quite Legion weird. But um, yeah, I've I've been really enjoying that. Have you caught any of American Gods yet? I really want to watch it, but one of my best friends really wants to watch it with me. Right. And I'm waiting on them. And I'm getting <laughs> quite annoyed now because I really want to, because I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Neil Gaiman and the book's amazing it's one of those ones i was really looking forward to so i'm quite annoyed that i haven't actually seen it yet um the thing i have been watching and keeping up with is the handmaid's tale oh yes yeah which is utterly brilliant so incredibly well adapted and the fact they brought outward on to do some of the modernization so they could keep it so that the timeline was set now Yeah, um, it's so well done. I really didn't think that an adaptation that good would come of it because the the subject matter is just it, you just don't expect TV to to, to tackle stuff that's no. that's quite that in depth and harsh and is so critiquing and critical of, of so many things in our society currently. Yeah, and um, yeah, they they did some incredible stuff. For people that haven't seen it yet, I won't I won't I won't spoil it. But it's it's all on all four to be to be caught up on. So the the way they've modernised it is incredible. They've added to it. They have made it so it is basically 
as if she had written it now. They've just added in little extra things and yeah. you know, they've put things like FGM in it, which um just brings it bang up to date with, with current topics in the area. And yeah, yeah, it's hard to watch because it's so good. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, there's uh yeah, there's some very tough bits in that show, but I completely with you, utterly brilliant from start to finish. Last episode went out, what, last night, I think, on Channel 4. I thought that was absolutely superb. Really enjoyed that series. Looking forward to it coming back. I think they've already greenlit another series, yeah. Yeah, they have. And uh, is it Alexis, the handmaid that got sent off and came back again from Gilmore Girls? Alexis Biddle, is it? She's back as a series regular for the next season as well, apparently. So that, I think, is quite good. But yes, it's thoroughly enjoyable. Good to see so much dark kind of really really meaty drama really dark really intriguing stuff going on and that's why american gods just reminded me that i hadn't mentioned handmade style yeah 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 i mean there is there's some great great stuff out there uh you know most of it coming not from network tv most of it coming from uh, cable channels in the u.s or netflix or amazon directly so uh yeah but there is some awesome heavy tv out there for worth going to watch i also caught a couple of films uh older films this week which i hadn't seen because uh, adam occasionally of this podcast was over for a few days so we saw john wick because i hadn't watched that before which i uh, really enjoyed it's kind of tries to be sort of serious but it is quite silly but it's very very watchable and uh, really enjoyable i can see why they're looking to make a tv show out of john wick i think it it's uh, i can see how that could work so that and um sausage party was the other film that we watched which if, if you've not seen it is uh, i think it's evan goldberg and and, and that um, and seth rogan and, and that group and blatantly they were smoking an awful lot of weed when they made that film because it is I mean, it's the type of movie you really need to have had a few beers or have smoked a joint before watching because it is nuts uh, but it's very funny <laughs> there were some great yeah. laugh out loud moments in it the clips i've seen of it i don't think you could pay me to watch it <laughs> no no it is it's one of those it, things it's a very particular type of purposefully yeah. supposed to be gross out and offensive type humor and it just yes it is it is one of those things (laughs) it is one of those things that you do sort of find yourself laughing despite what you're watching um and it's it's certainly not highbrow comedy it is it is ridiculous i think the fact is it it becomes less offensive because it's so ridiculous it just goes into absurdity yeah yes it goes from ridiculous to into absurd so i I, it really depends whether you like those sort of guys and their sort of humor but it can be entertaining to watch but uh yes it's a very very ridiculous when they're kind of satire so i think south park do an incredible satire of what's going on in the world and recently in a charity shop other thing i should have mentioned in my news because it's so cool i found a dvd of the adam and joe show for 50p <laughs> if you remember that yes with their animated satire of various movies using toys they found in their bedroom and that, that's preposterous and silly but it's it's always a, a comment on something despite yes. the fact utterly ridiculous so i think sausage party just goes too much into the offensive for offensive sake kind of humor yes where it's Adam and Joe show and, and uh, South Park are clearly far more highbrow and more my area. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And on that note, I think we should move off the, uh, the, uh, 
intro and onto some TV and film news. Few things in terms of renewals and cancellations in the TV and film news this week. Uh, one thing I just wanted to flag up: the night shift started on the twenty fifth of June, but it's actually on Netflix. It was running on Sony, I think, before. It appears to now be premiering on Netflix, and it's one of those things that Sony either have silently dropped it or lost the first run rights to it because it it just popped up on netflix out of nowhere so um yeah if you're if you're waiting for season four of the night shift it's now on netflix there's a load of netflix news actually this week they've also cancelled girl boss which is uh the show about the girl that sets up a fashion empire based on a a book of the same name uh that lasted one season and then got canned which is it's kind of rare for Netflix stuff. They usually at least last more than one season, but uh, yes, unfortunately, that's not made it out of initial season. But they have picked up on Netflix coming from, we think, the 12th of October, the Dynasty reboot, which I'm sure you'll be rushing to go and watch. I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I may, I may take a look at it, but um, it, it's not really my sort of show, but... It there is. is a trend for picking up these older drama type things and sort of just, I'm assuming, just using the title. Yeah, I mean, it is. Because it's so dated. I mean, it is the title and basic premise. And I can see why they sort of went for it, because it's it's basically about a you know two incredibly rich families being particularly bitchy to each other. Um so I could I could sort of see the appeal of it, and it by the team behind Gossip Girl uh, and the original Dynasty people, but it's the team behind Gossip Girl. I think they're in control of it. I, I can sort of see where it's going. It's going to be a CW show, so everybody's obviously quite young and beautiful, or even the older people are. <laughs> it's still far younger than I'm sure they should be, and quite beautiful. So it's it's uh, I I don't know. It it could be an interesting one to watch, but uh, we'll see. Uh, National Geographic also announced a second season of Genius, which originally we thought was going to be a mini season. This was the thing about Albert Einstein that had Jeffrey Rush in it that they ran recently. Uh, they've now decided it's going to be an anthology season series, and uh, the second season is going to be about Picasso, which I think is quite a nice idea. I didn't actually see the Albert Einstein thing but i'm told it was very good so yeah I, I think that's quite an interesting little thing for national geographic to be going for yeah i completely missed the existence of that i think that's one i'm gonna have to have a, a little look into yeah it, it was supposed to be quite good so i will uh i don't know i was probably hanging around on on some of the catch-up things still because it wasn't that long ago when the first season ran and it's only I think four or six episodes. It's not very long. So uh, could be one worth watching, uh, looking up that one. Over onto the bigger news stories. Uh, first thing that popped up this week was Damon Lintoff of The Leftovers and Lost looks to be making a Watchmen TV series, mm. which I mean could be quite interesting. It's apparently in quite early talks. The Leftovers obviously is coming to an end with the third season at the moment, which is a HBO show, and they you know seem it got a lot of critical acclaim. The Leftovers, although I struggled with it, I I found it dragged a little bit too much for my liking, but. 
generally got some really good critical response to it. There's been talk of various people doing Watchmen. Obviously, we had the film version, which Zack Snyder did, which I think he did an okay job considering he was trying to push a film into a 120-minute movie, which should never have been in an 120-minute movie. Uh, you know, he's tried, the book was just not suitable for that. So, I mean, he did a reasonable job, all things considered, but... I think a TV show uh, and that long form format has always been the way that the Watchmen should be. And on HBO as well, I think that's probably a a good sign for it. I think with this sort of material, it had to go to a cable channel. It was either had to be one of the streaming services or the cable services in the US that were going to take it because you you couldn't put this sort of thing on, on a normal network TV. It wouldn't work. But I think HBO is definitely the place for it. Obviously, the the comic book is consistently hailed as one of the best ever written. It's uh, you know set for those that aren't aware of what Watchmen is. It was set in the eighties in a sort of alternate timeline where superheroes existed and because of their existence it slightly altered how history is perceived so like the the Vietnam War was slightly different Nixon didn't get impeached and was still president there is one genuine hero who has superpowers called Dr Manhattan and he's basically uber powerful um to to the ability of being able to kind of see the whole of time at once and that sort of stuff uh but because of that he's basically given the us an edge over the ussr rather than calming things down that's just raised tensions even more because they're so scared of him so it's it's got this kind of imminent threat thing going on behind it it's a brilliantly brilliantly written book and a lot of people have always said it's completely unfilmable I think Zack Schneider proved that it, it was possible to do something with it, but it was quite rushed and it skipped out a load of content in the film version. So I think a long-form version of this, particularly with somebody like Damon Lintoff behind it, yeah, I think this could work. So we'll see whether it happens or not, but uh, looks very, very interesting. It's apparently in quite early stages of uh, talks, but we'll see. Speaking of old books getting <laughs> getting made into TV shows, Bram Stoker's Dracula appears to be the next thing on the list for Stephen Moffat and Mark Gattis from Sherlock and Doctor Who fame. I mean, do you really need to say any more than that? Is this something that interests you? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I think that Moffat's work on, on Doctor Who ranged between utterly brilliant and repetitively frustrating um, and I'm not actually a massive fan of Sherlock. So, Ooh, controversial. <laughs> uh, it is It is controversial. I thought it was okay. I prefer Elementary, the right. American modernised version. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I wasn't that keen on Sherlock, which you'll have people throwing bricks through my window within <laughs> half an hour, I'm sure. Um, so the idea of the two of them teaming up on Dracula, I don't I, mm, yeah, I'm going to withhold judgment, I think. I mean, with Sherlock, I really loved the first season. I thought the last season was quite good. Some of the ones in the middle, though, I wasn't a huge fan of. I, I actually am with you on that. I think it really lost its way at one point. Now we're both going to get bricks for our windows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think the first season was really good. I think some of the middle seasons, not so good. But the thing that I quite like about this is I Mark Gattis is he's really, interested in this sort of work it's it's a place where he really shines and it's also with Moffat doing the kind of um if he's like you say if he's on his game Moffat can write some really interesting creepy stuff so I don't know yes I, I cautiously optimistic I would say 
for mm. this. I think it depends how many episodes they're going to make. Well, they're, they're doing it, um, they're saying it's a series of 90-minute films. So it sounds like they're doing it in the same way that they do Sherlock, in that it's likely to either be one, say, 90-minute film every year, rather than a series it, or it, it will be a series of, say, three 90-minute things every few years, or yeah, which is basically what Sherlock's ended up being. But it's going to take that sort of format. It's also going to be interesting to see what you know, who they cast in the in the lead role as Dracula as well, because people forget that when Benedict Cumberbatch was originally cast in Sherlock, nobody really knew who he was. You know, he wasn't like a big name or anything. And now he's a huge TV and movie star. So that will be a role that people, if it's not going to an established actor, that will be a role that people will be fighting for, I suspect. But yeah, I, I don't know, cautiously optimistic, I, I think, with that. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but could be interesting. Next bit of news, we move on to the film world. The upcoming Han Solo movie lost and gained directors within a few days of each other, I think. It, it, it may be a week, but it was a fairly quick turnaround. The Han Solo movie is being was being directed by Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller, who are the duo that were behind things like the Lego movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Last Man on Earth, the TV series, uh, Son of Zorn as well, I think was one of theirs. So Unusual they, choices. Yeah, I mean, re, they are brilliant and interesting filmmakers. The problem is that's great and... I love them for that. Yeah, I thought the Lego movie was great. I thought Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is a wonderful, surrealist kind of children's piece of work. But it's not quite what they want for making a Star Wars movie. Uh, that appears to be the, the issue. By the sounds of it, they were fired from the film because they were putting in a lot of sort of improvisational stuff and ad-libbing and the tone of it was slightly more comic than the writers and the uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who is the god of Lucasfilm uh, these days, were happy with. You know, it's one of those things where if you're an actor, ad-libbing to a certain extent is fine, as long as you're not fundamentally changing the meaning of the script. The problem is it sounds like they were letting the actors basically just roll with it and on top of that, they were improvising actual scenes, which if you're dealing with something which is the Han Solo movie and it's essentially part of historical kind of record that you are creating if you're dealing with Star Wars, whatever you do in that film has, and you know, and particularly as a free uh, as a prequel, has resonance, uh, you know, waves that that carry through the rest of the Star Wars universe. You know, yeah, absolutely. They've said everything now is canon, so they could ab lib something that completely altered the future yeah. or caused massive contradiction in time or like exactly it, it's not really a property where you can do that kind of thing it would have to be something that was extended universe and not core and yeah Han Solo movie is about as central as you can get yeah 
Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the, the problem is you're dealing with something which is delicately interwoven with TV shows, comic books, all of which are now canon. I mean, you can't do that. You just can't. And what is weird is the fact that they're, they're supposed to be three weeks from finishing principal photography, having started shooting in February. And it's only now that they've actually stopped them. So I'm amazed it got this far. And, you know, maybe somebody wasn't keeping quite a close enough eye on it or, or whatever. I, I don't know. Or they really screwed something up. But it was apparently the writers that stepped in. It was Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan, who is the sort of one of the veteran Star Wars writers, uh, I think, wrote empire and uh, his son who's also writing the script with him it was those two that actually went and complained apparently to kathleen kennedy and saying you need to step in and stop this because they're completely messing with the script and that's when she basically stepped in and fired them they've now been replaced by ron howard which is an interesting choice for a star wars movie and not really the first person that comes to mind i mean he's a safe pair of hands though i'm pretty sure you know you don't really get much safer than somebody like ron howard as as a director which will do exactly what you want him to do i think he's uh, going to be kind of firefighting and seeing what they've got and seeing what they can yeah put I together mean, and what they need to reshoot i mean i'm almost interested to see what a move done by lord and miller would look like i think they almost need to keep that footage and do it as a kind of this is not canon yeah, yeah. comedy alternate version because it's presumably they've got most of a movie there well you would think so i mean they've got reshoots already lined up they'd already got reshoots booked in uh, even with lord and miller still there because that's just how movies this sort of size shoot these days so the the reshoots are already booked in i, I whether they've been extended because uh, ron howard's now taking over uh, i don't know but and it's going to be interesting to see how much they have to pack into that compared to what they've actually got at the moment it also does bear the question is who actually is going to end up with the director credit at the end of it are lord and miller going to have their names removed entirely or is ron howard going to end up being a you know, co-director with them or is it going to entirely go to ron howard so um yeah it depends on how many reshoots they do if it turns out that they've extended reshoots to basically 90 percent of the film yeah yeah it's just yeah it's it's interesting and i mean it's it's not unheard of for this sort of thing to happen it's just very late in the day and on such a big project for this to happen is is quite rare but lucasfilm and disney are determined that they're going to stick to their release date of 25th of may or certainly in us it's 25th of may anyway next year so they're, they're determined well, Star Wars is a license to print money so if they need to put more budget into it to make what they've got into what they want it to be yeah. they've got the funds they know they can make it back they know it's a safe property to to invest a lot of money into i mean maybe yeah. that's why they let it go so long maybe they wanted to see what it would be like to have that slightly different direction yeah maybe they were giving it a chance which which could be a good sign that they are willing to have a little bit of stylistic variation maybe in the the tones of things yeah but yeah, at the end of the day, I guess it just went too far and they need to pull it back again. Yeah, I mean, um, to be honest, something slightly similar happened with uh, Rogue One in the... Uh, although I think they... I don't think they actually went back and reshot stuff with a different director, I think. They certainly didn't fire the guy. can't remember the director's name of that. But with Rogue One, I think they messed around with it a lot in the edit room to, to get it to be the film that they wanted it to be. So, I mean, 
it's not unheard of for Disney and Lucasfilm to step in to mould it how they think it should be compared to how the director thought it should be. But yeah, it, it just an interesting situation all round. So I'm I'm quite intrigued to see what happens with that and and uh, how they end up moving forward. But uh, but yes, Lord and Miller out, Ron Howard in for that. And last bit of news we've got this week is a new spin-off series from Supernatural called Wayward Sisters, which is based around the Sheriff Jodie Mills. This, I think, is a really nice sounding idea. It's not the first time Supernatural has tried to spin off uh, as uh, and done it as a backdoor pilot. They tried, uh, I think it was called Bloodlines, I think, the one that they did a few, we- a few years ago. That sort of failed to work, mainly because it was done as a backdoor pilot, which is basically one episode out of the season where they used to pilot a potential new show. And it introduced a whole new set of characters. You had no real connection to Sam and Dean. And because of that, it didn't really feel right. It didn't feel like Supernatural. It didn't really fit in at all. Whereas the idea for Wayward Sisters is that it's going to be based around Jodie Mills, who is a character that's heavily tied up with Sam and Dean. The idea is that it's going to be Sheriff Mills and a group of troubled young women, all of them orphaned by supernatural tragedy. Under Mills' training and protection, the women will emerge as supreme monster fighting force. So it's basically like a a group of of women led by Mills that are going to be hunters. This centres around this sisterhood of girls who are in the foster family we've seen Jodie in and out of of the show for the last few seasons and she's already fostering a couple of young women as well so it's a it's a perfect kind of starting point and it makes perfect sense she was fostering Claire and uh, Alex I think at the moment so adding more into that would make quite a lot of sense I think it's a really interesting fit into the supernatural universe it's going to be a backdoor pilot at some point in series 13 so we'll see where that lands are you up to date with supernatural at the moment i'm not quite up to to date with supernatural but i i do um obviously know sheriff jody um she's a very very strong character she was very good she has a good sense of wit a good strong personality definitely kick ass i think she could she could lead a series it's not the spin-off i would make if it was me i've taken charlie's character felicia day yeah i i would have because she goes off into sort of the wizard of Ozland with her girlfriend and to to sort of evil in there and i would almost have have loved to have had a a mini spin-off of the adventures of her and how she sort of inter, inter, interwoven with the, the regular supernatural universe. Yeah. Um, but that would have been a very expensive series. Yes. <laughs> Plus, I, I'm not sure whether that, I'm not sure whether she, she was still in that universe. So, yeah, I don't know whether you could actually do that now. I shall say no more. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, it, it, at that point, yes, I, I agree with you because I would quite happily watch Felisa Day in most things as well. I think she's brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. I utterly loved her character. But Jodie is, a, is another really really strong kick-ass female that can clearly take on all the demons they can throw at her yeah yeah i mean don't, for those, those supernatural fans worried that this may mean it's ending it doesn't they, they basically said you know supernatural will continue for as long as the boys want to make it they i think yeah, haven't they tried to end it before and yeah. people basically complained to the point where they just carried on well the the, the original series was actually a five season arc and they made that five season arc and then it's 
continued on and gone on and then they've talked about ending it again i think a few series ago and yeah it continued and and we're now on season 13 and the the boss of cw has basically said look as long as they want to make it we'll continue making it i think the boys have, have said there's a, a, a fairly monumental episode number i can't remember whether it's like 300 or something that's all 400 or something episodes that's coming up in a few seasons time and they've kind of said that may be where they look at finishing it but yeah i don't know we'll see I, there'll I, be a riot yeah there'll be a supernatural is just like part of the furniture it's that thing that's like even when it's kind of dipped and they have had series like the the one with the leviathans where it really has gone down a bit but because the core characters are so good they've always managed to pull it back They've yeah. always managed to make more and they're, they're always sort of commenting on the fact that it's ridiculous how long they spend on the road and yeah. how many things they have to find. How many times can the world almost end? They've, they've made that part of the charm of their own series, which is a, a very impressive thing to have done. So well, yeah. I, I think they're still going to be making it, you know. Yeah. long past when we've deceased they're just going to make robots and they'll carry on i mean the the new series has an episode where they're actually teaming up with scooby-doo in cartoon okay, now form. i definitely need to catch up <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, in, in full cartoon form and the, it's really funny because people that aren't you and i posted this the reaction was amazing uh when it, it landed on facebook that this is what they were doing for the new series and you could spot the fans going oh my god this is amazing i have to see this and then people who were like oh this has jumped the shark i'm like no 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 no. supernatural has never jumped the shark this is a show that has had them trapped in tv shows it's had them fight off muppets and monsters and uh, there, there is very little they could do at this point that would make the show jump the shark you're talking about a series which actually put them in a tv show called supernatural in an alternate universe where they were where sam and dean were actually actors called uh jared and you know it was it, so they, they've actually they've they've done the entire meta thing of of putting uh sam and dean in the real world as it were and got away Absolutely. with it and they've so, got the, the book series in the tv series yes. the book series called supernatural and yeah. then they go to a, a school and the school is putting on a supernatural play yeah. where they then comment on all the kind of like fan fictions and how people do like sort of like romance crossovers mm. between Sam and Dean so they can then be freaked out by yeah. the, the college kids doing it and they go everyone interprets it this way Every, everyone everyone slashes these people into a gay romance and they're going like what what are you talking about <laughs> um that they really embraced their fans yeah. and it, it's very much a dialogue that show between the fans I think it must be if you're just joining it now it must be a little bit impenetrable at this point yeah i because there I is so is. much history so many in jokes so many fan related things they they really um they, it's really is just a show for the fans yeah it is it is completely yeah but i think any show in its 13th season is fairly impenetrable but uh, you know when, so you know i i don't think that's that's a huge problem and uh, you know, it's all the previous seasons are available on various catch-up things. I think you can get them on Netflix, and I'm not sure they're probably on Amazon as well. But honestly, if you've never watched Supernatural, go back and watch it. It's an amazing, amazing series. Uh, I know there's a lot of episodes to get through, but it's it's worthwhile putting onto your list if you've never seen it. It's brilliant. It gets funnier and funnier as it goes on. Yes, they, it does. They, re- they start off very serious in the same way as a lot of things like kind of Buffy and so forth. Yeah. They start off fairly serious, and then they realise where their audience 
season just play straight to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just particularly those first five seasons are so cleverly written as well in the way that they introduce stuff. The arcing in that of that first five seasons where you you start off with uh, Monster of the Week basically for the first season and then it becomes more about heaven and then hell and the introduction of demons and and it builds to this big big war so i you know and and from then on it it's just brilliantly put together i love the depiction of of everything in that it's just such a great show definitely Uh, i love crowley as well the fact that the bad guys are as engaging as complicated and as well written as the good guys and the fact he 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 is evil but he isn't evil yeah he he runs hell in a very fair (laughs) business-like manner and i love those ideas i like that kind of slightly out thinking when you started off with something that was much more a traditional sort of well, supernatural as the name implies and then becomes something that's far more grounded almost despite the fact it's very fantastical no absolutely i just i love the fact that the angels are, are dicks as well <laughs> pretty much the whole thing um, <laughs> I, I think i just think that's a brilliant piece of characterization because he basically says well they're 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 god's soldiers so uh, you know, it doesn't yeah, they're mean they're not that... humans. They don't have our emotions. They're there to do a job. <laughs> yeah. They don't necessarily emote or understand or empathise with humans that well. Yeah. So I I just love that. I think the characterizations of those are just brilliant. It, it's an amazing series. I'm glad to see it back. I think a spin-off is always a tough sell because anything without Sam and Dean in it is always going to be a bit of a tough sell. But I think they've picked certainly the right characters to do it with at this point. We'll we'll see how it goes we won't know until season 13 comes out and that backdoor pilot is aired uh, whether it's it's going to work or not but you know we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes i i think it's it's on the right track this time there so that's all the news for this week next up we have a little interview when you make decisions for your company you look for the no brainers If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So the interview this week is with the composer for Dear White People, which is the Netflix show. It's called Chris Bowers. Chris Bowers is an LA native. He's an Emmy-winning composer and recording artist, described as one of the freshest voices in jazz and been playing piano since an incredibly young age, leading into the fame music school Juilliard uh, and on to working with people such as Jay-Z and Kanye West. Chris landed acclaim for his composing work on numerous documentaries and winning an Emmy for the soundtrack to the animated feature The Snowy Day. His latest project is seen in composing music for Dear White People, which is a great show which is on Netflix, uh, focusing on the experience of black students at a fictional Ivy League Winchester College. It's a really interesting show if you've not seen it. It's funny as well, and uh, the music is very different to what you would expect for that sort of show. So this is Chris talking about that and uh, talking about some of his recording work as well. Interviews about 18 minutes long. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week 
Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? All right, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Good, good. Thanks for coming on and, and spending a, uh, a little bit of time just to chat through your stuff. My pleasure. I guess primarily your, the thing we're on to talk about is the TV show, but let's start off with a bit of background about you. How did you get your start in music? Because I've read some of the uh, bio stuff, and it sounds like your parents really, really wanted you to be into music. Yeah, they're pretty, um <laughs> like, the opposite of every other parent, it seems like. And, yeah. and they, they were very good at... um you know, like it says in my bow, they, they did decide before I was born, they wanted me to play piano and they used to, they're not musicians. And so they used to find random piano sampler CDs that they would uh, <laughs> play for my, all my mom's stomach. And, uh, um, they put me in lessons when I was pretty young, like around four or five. And then, um, and, but they were very, very good at firstly kind of putting me into whatever I wanted to do. Like I did sports, I did, I wanted to be a cartoonist. And so I followed that path for a while. Um, but piano was something that they always were very good at, uh, making sure that I, I was diligent with practicing and, and, um, and had a nice balance of not making me feel like I was forced to do it, but also making sure I didn't give it up. Yeah, that's good. I, I think I was slightly too forced to learn piano. And I, <laughs> so, so I, I kind of stepped away from it. I, I picked up other instruments, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's such a delicate balance with kids because, because, uh, yeah, it's, it, if they don't like it, then, then that ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I swerved onto trumpet, so... <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so you've been kind of quite musical ever since you were born, pretty much. How did you get into film and TV composing? Well, it's funny. It's one of these things that I've always wanted to do. Like, I told my parents... Um, they make they make fun of me or, or uh, they would not make fun of me. They congratulate me on the fact that ever since I was 11 or 12, I told them that I wanted to go to college for, for piano and then tour with different artists that I, I admired and respected. And then I wanted to tour with my own band and then I wanted to trans- transition into film scoring. And it's been something that's always been a goal of mine. Um, but the actual practicality of how I got into it was um, somewhat through the back door. Like the first thing I did was this documentary about Elaine Stritch. And um, I got that because this woman who was my manager for maybe three months knew the director <laughs> and recommended me. <laughs> um, yeah. And then from that, I got a, something else. But then um, I think the biggest thing was this documentary I did about Kobe Bryant for Showtime. Yeah. And not only because of, of um, the visibility of it, but because they allowed me to give me the space and time to write music that that I really felt proud of. And so with that, I was able to. That's how I met my agent. That's how I got into the Sundance Composers Lab. And then there were other films I did because of that. And so I think that was the biggest thing that started the snowball. Yeah. And uh, the show which you're on at the moment uh, or have recently done is uh, Dear White People on Netflix. How did that come to you? Through my agent, actually. And, um, you know, just one of those things where they put out a call for composers and he asked me to send in a few demos. um, And then the final kind of demo round was um, they sent me uh, the first episode, the scripture the first episode along with the show Bible and a play, a Spotify playlist of like 50 tracks that the, the show's creator, Justin Simeon had put together of inspirational music. And that music ranged from like Sonny Rollins to, to Ravel to um, Trent Reznor. And it was all over the place as far as <laughs> style. And they, and they gave me those pieces and said, write something and send it back to us. And so um, I wrote this piece of music that, that I felt infused all these different things. It had like uh, strings with like some counter counterpuntal writing. And then, but then there were um, like 808s and like lower synth uh, sub percussion and, and, um, and synthesizers. And then there was uh, some improvisatory stuff on a piano. And it was just me just trying to fuse all these things together in this piece that I did pretty much overnight. And then um, 
they, I think that's what won me the job. But what was interesting that we turned around and, and wrote completely different music for the show. But I think it, <laughs> it just showed them how how much I um, understood and really loved all of those styles of music that I was able to figure out a way to like fuse them together. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a couple of tracks off the uh, off the soundtrack for it. It's it's an interesting kind of mix because there's some these quite classical, and then you've got some which is very sort of smoky kind of jazz stuff yeah. in there. So how did you end up? Settling on the style that you did. Well, that that mainly came from Justin. You know, he he's really inspired by both Spike Lee and, and Stanley Kubrick and how they use music. And and um, both of those directors juxtapose imagery with um, music that you just wouldn't expect. Like you wouldn't expect some weird kids that that are going around causing havoc to be backed by like Bach, uh, <laughs> like you know, piano pieces or playing on the synthesizer. You know, things like that. Or or the the jazz that's that's in a lot of Spike Lee's films that have young couples of color. And, and, um, and so he thought that it would be interesting to have these kids of color on a college campus and have the, the soundtrack be either very traditional classical music or traditional jazz. And to, he was very strict to make sure that we didn't, uh, for the score, write anything that was expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is there any point in the show where you're actually kind of breaking out of that as well? Yeah, I'd say one, <laughs> it was funny, where one episode, maybe maybe two parts. One, one episode was, um, in episode two, which is Lionel's episode, I remember right before they sent it to me, Justin called me and said, you know, by the way, I know that I established the strict rule of only doing these styles of music, but I think I just broke that rule. Uh, <laughs> one scene. Um, this is party scene. And we, we went completely electronic for that, that scene. And it, it just felt right. And I think, and it makes sense to me because, um, you know, we're, we're now in this world where we see like what college kids do, like a, a party and, and, um, and although it was score, I think it was fitting for it to be electronic. So I'd say that episode. And then the final episode, I was trying to fuse all of these characters' themes that we had established in each episode prior. And um, therefore, there's um, there's a kind of a more of a fusion sound that's happening or, or uh, the, the line between classical and jazz gets blurred a little bit there. Yeah. I was going to say, are you developing themes for characters? But by the sound of it, you are. Is, is there a sort of overall theme for each episode as well? Well, what, what we decided to do is... Um, establish a theme for each character but then within their their respective episodes i was trying to try to be strict with myself to um only use that theme as thematic material even if it was very very masked like for example in troy's episode his theme first appears in this like synthesizer like keyboard but it's kind of um almost like a kubrick sound it's it's very classical but, but on the synthesizer and very yeah. basic theme but then later it appears as like the subject of a piano fugue and then later it appears as like a string orchestra you know so, so it's it was trying to figure out how to use the theme and make sure every piece of music i wrote somehow related back to that theme nice it's an interesting way of doing it when you yeah. when you land on a project like this is there any sort of preparation you do before you start yeah yeah totally i mean for me it was it was a lot because yeah, this is my first real television show. And, and, um, and I've, again, like I said before, come through this back door of film scoring. And so I didn't have a lot of experience as far as like being somebody's, uh, assistant or something like that, where I was able to really just know how to step into that role. And so it was a lot of preparation from that end, just, just uh, logistical preparation. And then, um, as far as musically, it was just mostly conversations with Justin and, and going to set and seeing, seeing the world and, and trying to live in that and write themes and kind of go back and forth so that by the time they were ready for me to, to write to picture, we had already established a, a language and a, a musical vocabulary. Yeah. It's quite 
daunting for you know somebody who's never had either you know assistant experience just just to be here here's a tv show you know yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that, that must be quite a daunting experience for you i mean because i mean i i don't know how the netflix shows are but i know some of the network shows tend to mm-hmm. be crazy crazy turnaround times sometimes yeah well they do the same thing even though even though netflix you know they obviously release all their episodes at once they still operate under that structure so it was it was weekly turnarounds which you know for music that means that i have maybe three to five days where i get an episode i start on it i write it and i have to deliver for the for the final mix so it was, it was pretty intense <laughs> <laughs> but you cope through it okay so that's good <laughs> <laughs> moving on to one of your other projects the thing that i, I popped up reading through yeah the snowy day which which actually won you an emmy didn't it it did yeah <laughs> um which for those who haven't seen it it's on amazon prime uh it's a it's a little sort of children's 40 minute cartoon based on a book but it it's really sweet and beautiful so how did you end up on, on that job and was your first intro instinct when you landed it was like i better go out and buy some jingle bells <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's funny you mentioned that because that was one of the early comments in some of the score i was writing was can we maybe have a little less of the jingle bells <laughs> like for some reason every every cue that i was writing i was like this needs jingle bells <laughs> <laughs> it's christmasy of course it does <laughs> yeah i think um it was it was awesome again it was it was an interesting situation because i had never written for animation before and it was yeah. something that was a bit daunting just because you know you're it really like you're there's not much in that sound uh designed to um to kind of make people feel like there's a real world and and to not miss something and so the music has to not only provide that carpet but also comment on every little thing and and keep you entertained and so yeah, it was a lot of the prep was like me watching a bunch of cartoons and listening to a bunch of Christmas music. My roommate at the time was annoyed with me because it was like August or September <laughs> and I Christmas music in our house. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very beautiful little, if, if anybody out there has got little kids, it's well worth um, going to, to put that on because it's a, it's a really sweet little cartoon. Um, you've got the film and TV composing career, but you're also kind of working as a recording artist as well, because you've got albums out and stuff. How are you managing to balance that out? It's been difficult. I I just got off the phone with my manager actually a little while ago. And and one of the things that we have talked about is the fact that we have this period right now where um, there are projects that I'm on with film scoring that that are a little bit more long lead. And and, uh, right now it's in very early phases. And so he's kind of pushing me to carve out some time for me to do, um, to work on my next album and to work on uh, songwriting and to do these different things that, that keeps that, that side fueled. So it's very difficult to keep the balance, but, but whenever there is a little bit of time, it's, it's all about trying to capitalize on that. And, and it ultimately just means I just never take a vacation or a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stacking hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. On to some more general questions. Um, yeah. What inspires you or are there other artists that inspire your work or just other things in general that inspire you? Yeah, a bit of both. I think, um, I mean, I'm always listening to a pretty wide array of music, whether it be like right now on my, in my rotation is um, everything from Kendrick Lamar to Ravel to King Crimson to um, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty random stuff. Uh, But I'd say the things that actually inspire me more are things outside of music, things that um, just because the other reason why I've been always been drawn to film scoring is because I, I need some sort of lens to write through or something to write about or, or whatnot. And, and so a lot of times that comes from 
reading books or, or looking at art or, or just living life, you know, and having things to, um, to try to pull from. So I try to always get out of the studio as much as possible whenever I do have that, that time. Yeah, definitely something you should do, particularly if you're in LA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. What would you say is the best piece of advice somebody's given you? Uh, to, to be comfortable with who I am and to be comfortable with myself. You know, it's something that, that I think a lot of people, definitely myself, constantly struggle with because um and especially in today's world where you're surrounded by social media and surrounded by people that are presenting the best sides of themselves and so it always feels like well maybe i should be more like that person or maybe i should be more like that and and you're always trying to appease people and i think uh marcus miller was a bass player that i toured with for a while and and actually a film composer in his own right he said something that really stuck with me where he said that you should look at it almost like when you look in a mirror and at some point you just have to accept it that that's just what you look like (laughs) you can't you can't uh if you sit there and try to pick apart every aspect of your appearance you're just going to um just be constantly upset and depressed and and down on yourself and so once you're able to just accept that that's how you look and and start to love yourself for that then that's when the good things happen absolutely it's it's a great piece of advice that and something that seems to come naturally the older you get i mean i'm i hit 42 a few weeks ago as you get older (laughs) your brain starts to go screw it (laughs) you're fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, and also the yeah i think age and and being busy too you just don't have time to really uh to be anything else but yourself you know yeah yeah very true what would you say is the most interesting experience you've had while working so far oh wow um you mean in film or just in general just just in general i think um i think that's that's tough as far as amazing experiences maybe things like i I got to play at the white house which is pretty um, unbelievable and i got to meet uh barack and and michelle a a couple of times and and so i think things that were were pretty remarkable or or meeting and working with uh aretha franklin was pretty incredible but uh and and having the space to be able to do really quirky and and adventurous things i think something that i've always wanted to do like i always like stepping outside of just performance or film and tv like working i did a piece with alvin ailey the dance company and i'm working on like something with visual art and um and food and so yeah just trying to figure out how i can constantly step into other uh, more interdisciplinary art forms as well wow yeah like you need more things to do <laughs> really i'm really uh it's all like self-imposed it's like classics actually <laughs> So if you weren't doing your, your music, is there any other career you could think of yourself doing? Oh, 100%. I, I actually wanted to be a cartoonist up until the summer between freshman and sophomore year of, of high school. Um, I went to an arts high school and I wanted to get in for visual art, but I didn't have a strong enough portfolio. And so I got in for piano. But my plan actually was to switch to visual art um, and uh and I just happened to, over the course of that first year in school and that first summer, just really fall in love with music so much that I just decided that that was it. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think I would be something visual, whether it be cartooning or um, advertising or something like that. I would definitely <laughs> be doing that. Well, both your parents work in TV, don't they? Uh, somewhat, yeah. My, my dad used to be a writer for film and TV. He uh, wrote for shows like All That and um, What's Happening and, oh. and, and <laughs> shows back in the day and then um and some films and um my mom just was a executive for human resources at direct tv okay. but um yeah but film was always a big deal in our house we used to watch movies and and 
and everything as soon as it came out because that's how important it was to my my parents <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure a few final questions firstly um what are you doing next is there anything you could talk about <laughs> yeah there's um there's a ray charles tribute album that i'm working on oh, cool. with the, this fashion designer named mark mcnary we're trying to remake the album modern sounds and country and western music and um nice. so there's that and and um i've been doing a lot of work with kobe bryant who's in the process of trying to step into the film world and um with that, we've been doing small little things for ESPN and, and there's a documentary we're working on for next year. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think those are the things that I can, I can maybe talk about. There's like <laughs> probably five other things that, that yeah. I'm doing in the interim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our, our last two questions, which is the same to everybody, uh, cause yeah. we cover a lot of TV shows on the website. Two things we always ask is firstly, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Yeah. Handmaid's Tale. I've been watching. Um, oh, awesome. yeah, which is just so beautifully shot. And the, the music is really, really interesting. Uh, also this, this most recent season of billions is really great. What else? The, some shows that I watched a little while ago, but, but still are with me are things like Narcos or Stranger yeah. Things. Um, yeah, I think those are Westworld. I, th- I think those are the biggest ones that, that stood out to me. <laughs> you get points for getting Netflix shows in that list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't help it. I def- I've watched Netflix so much that it should know by now that when it asks me if I'm still watching, yes, I'm still watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's become an amazing platform for, for brilliant, brilliant shows. So. Yeah, it is. So finally, if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, which show would it be? Ooh. Oh, I am. Yeah, that's easy. I know that um, Carrie Fukunaka is remaking are making something for HBO called Napoleon, which was Kubrick's last unfinished project. And I just know how much I'm a big fan of Kubrick and how much I'm a fan and, and somewhat of a friend of, of Carrie's. And so I think that's, that's something that um, I'm just excited to see. And if I could be a part of it, I, I probably would, would, uh, would be incredibly excited. Nice. Interesting choice as well. <laughs> Thank you for, uh, for taking a bit of time out of your day to just chat through a few things. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. Cheers. Bye. That was the interview with Chris Bowers. If you want to catch Dear White People, it is on Netflix right now. So go and watch it. I think it's 10 episodes the first season and uh, I think it's been renewed as well. So worth going to watch. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on tv highlights for next week uh kicks off with outlander if you've not already seen it on uh, amazon prime it's coming on to more four from the 29th of june at 9 p.m have you seen any episodes of this i haven't actually i'm put off by the word romantic um <laughs> i'm such a stick in the mud um it, it looked like a, a, a unique premise, but I've not actually seen seen any of it. It's on Amazon Prime already. Uh, the first two seasons are on Amazon Prime. So it, it is worth going to watch. I've watched the first few episodes. It is quite enjoyable. I mean, yes, the romance side of it, I think, you know, is going to dominate to a certain extent, but it is an interesting time travel kind of sci-fi thing as well. Yeah, um, I watch it when I'm feeling a bit simple, like, you know, <laughs> kind of emotional and, and having a bit of one of those days of ice cream or something maybe. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, romantic tends to stop me watching things. I sound like a terrible person sometimes on these podcasts. <laughs> Not enough killing and cyborgs. Too much happy ending. Too many happy people. Oh dear. Um, so yes, moving on from that, we've got uh, Mount Pleasant, which is back on Sky One on 30th of June at 9pm. This is back for one final special episode. So if you're a fan of the show, you're probably going to want this. Want to watch this because it ties everything up, and that will be your lot gypsy is a new show coming to netflix on the 30th of june this is a 10-part psychological thriller which follows gene halloway who is a manhattan therapist with a seemingly picturesque life who begins to develop intimate and illicit relationships with the people in her patients lives so um yeah that sounds kind of interesting i think it stars naomi watts i don't know that one that appeals to you possibly i do like i do like psychological thrillers um i'd love to have a look into who's writing it and and the people behind it but yeah as, as a 10-part contained thing on netflix that's probably got promise the netflix generally don't put too many feet wrong i know they've had a few cancellations recently but generally they they know what they're doing so it could be one worth watching out for the leftovers is back for its third and final season from the 4th of july at 10 p.m on sky atlantic uh I, as i say it's not a show i particularly got on well with but um I know there's a lot of fans of it out there. And uh, Killjoys is back for its third season from the 4th of July at 9pm. This, I know, is a show that you do follow. Uh, yes, <laughs> be an understatement. See, that's got lots of cyborgs and killing and spaceships and... And it's also incredibly well written. Yeah, I, I need to go back. I seen, I think, the first episode of it. And then, again, it's a show that just got away from me somehow. So I, I want to go back and, and watch it because it's the type of thing that I really should like. And, and uh, I enjoy Dark Matter, but Killjoys is... Killjoys is, is very much superior to Dark Matter. Right, okay. Um, Dark Matter is kind of fun, but it's a bit deja vu. It feels like a lot of other sci-fi series. There's a lot of decisions in that seem like a safe bet, although it is a very enjoyable series. Killjoys, I found to be better written, taking some more risks, and the overall arc and plot to be uh, much more unexpected, much more intricately woven together with details from the first series will pop up and be important in later series. And they definitely had a, a very good overall plan and okay. they do keep you guessing a lot more than something like Dark Matter will. Cool. Okay. I mean, I, I will go back to it. It's one that I keep on meaning to pick up, so I will go back to that, I think. So that's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to add in? Uh, no, I think that's everything from me as well. Um, obviously, people can find... There'll be a video of Master X Master, the, the game premiere I went to, will be up on my YouTube and will pop it up on geektown.co.uk as well. Um, and my YouTube is Trista Bytes, spelled Bytes like computer because I'm that geeky. If anyone wants to catch up on any of my other movie reviews and bits and pieces. For us, you can find us at geektown.co.uk throughout the week for all the latest news and air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post or find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown. UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Take care.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.